What is up, people? Welcome back to the Highline Podcast. It's a snappy Highline Podcast today. We're going to be building up to the Premier League weekend, but normally weekends like this, and this is definitely the way it should be, is we'd be thinking Manchester Derby. Manchester Derby. This is Manchester Derby weekend. Man United, Man- it doesn't. That's, it's so incredibly slanted that that's not even the game I'm looking forward to this weekend, to be quite honest with you. We start with a former United player. News just broke. He's been banned for four years. Essentially, career over. Who's gonna Who's gonna take a chance on him four years after no football for four years? And that is, of course, Paul Pogba. He's, of course, come out in a lengthy enough statement denying any wrongdoing, saying he's going to appeal it to the Court of Arbitra- Sport Arbitration. What's your... Th- any thoughts at all? Because obviously neither of us know the truth. No. So uh, we're not going to sit here and pretend, oh, he's lying or I think this or he's, you know, innocent. So that's the findings. And what do you think of him being gone for... But his career over? I think ultimately... They're saying four years now, but he'll obviously appeal it. I think he'll, he will get it down eventually. I don't think he'll do a full four years out of the game. But is that not a bad enough thing to say? Because, and by the way, I fully agree, you're so right. But any of these big football rulings, it feels like I think back to the two years City ban in Europe. I think back to the points even recently with Everton. I think back to this Pogba situation. They're given punishment and appeals happen and next thing, it's you know it's always either reduced or completely dismissed altogether because simply their defending lawyers are too good. It's just a, it's a it's a theme in football these days. It makes you think. What's the point of even announcing these things in the what first place? What is the they point? Even just announce your initial findings to the person that's affected and let them come back at you, and then let every the public know what the true result is after all the. Well, well you see, I know it doesn't work that way. But no, that the be, appeals are public. They're, that the would be results easier. Are public. That They're would public. be easier. But in terms of Pogba, it's just another. He's the latest addition to the what if group, isn't he? Mm. Like, well, is he? I, I, but this, is, this is I the argument. I disagree. I don't. This think is he, the argument. He's achieved. He no. He's achieved so much. He's a World Cup winner. He's won Syria's. He won trophies at United. But let's be real. He's never reached the. He had sky high potential. Like he had the capabilities, he had the talent, he had the qualities to be one of the greatest midfielders in the game ever. He has everything: control, shooting, passing, dribbling. He is one of the best midfielders I've seen. He's one of the most technically gifted players I've ever laid my eyes on. To be that height and have that control over the football is footwork is it's ridiculous. He's he's good in the air. He's ridiculously strong. Good at everything. Yeah, he's everything. Complete midfielder, nearly, in terms of what he gives you and what he can do. But he just... But tell me the reason. Attitude. I think the United transfer I think it finished killed him. him. I did think it I killed think him. it finished and, his momentum. And I think it's because of where United played him. Oh, for sure, yeah. Like United, United, Mourinho like, signed him and he was played in the pivot. Never should have played in the pivot. He always played to the left of a midfield three at Juventus. He had Pirlo and Marquisio beside him. 
he had all the license, all the freedom to get up and do what he wanted to do. And a, and the thing is, you can say in modern football that no footballer is afforded that sort of freedom. It's yeah, all it's all systematic, and it's every midfielder has their role. Pogba was that good that you could literally build a team around and him. And that's not true either in terms of modern football. Do you take the most rigid coach in terms of positioning? And it's Pep. And De Bruyne is afforded that type of freedom. And then there's a reason you always constantly see De Bruyne popping up on the right-hand side and the right wing. And you're thinking, well, why, why? You know, he's a midfielder. He's, he's not given the job of patrolling a midfield. He's he's he is given that role, that freedom. So say for example, at Juventus, Paco was played the left side of a tr- of a three. It's like Pep plays De Bruyne, that sort of either kind of on the right, fully on the right, or more so just he's a, such a free roam role. Uh, so I completely disagree with that. I, I I think that is in modern football. But at United, for I think his height fool people, he's not a defense. He is an attacking midfielder. That's what Paul Pogba is, and that's what he should have been used as, and he wasn't. And I think that really did kill kill him kill his career kill his he was still great I still thought he was great at times but just not utilised the the hate was forced I think yeah. on a lot of levels <clears throat> the price tag obviously shot expectations up and I think more so people were just so frustrated that he wasn't consistent He consistency was always an issue as well yeah. he could have incredible games and then come out the next week and just not look 100% there that's not me questioning his, what's the word, application or questioning his devotion to the club. I do think he actually loved Man United. I think that's why he came back. Like, people can say it was money driven. It was because he, he could you, know, like, you know, he'd offered him the biggest wage, but I can't imagine Real Madrid were offering him pennies. No. So I think he came back to United because he felt there was unfinished business. I think he came back to United because he loved Man United. But the, the fans and the coach didn't treat him with didn't treat him as a human being they really treated him as transaction yeah like he was just a character and that he should have just come in and play in a position we're seeing something very similar at Rashford at the minute and we'll get on to Rashford later but I think the hate for Pogba was very forced no no player determines their transfer fee and Pogba at that time was the most sought after individual on the market he was a unique profile of footballer that any team in the world would have snapped your hand off her. And the fact that he wasn't utilised in his in his position where he could have influenced the game on a scale that would have been unbelievable is such a shame and it was a disservice to him, I think. And he should have left he should have been let United leave let leave United earlier and reach that potential because it was clear that he was rotten away at United. Look, I think one of his most memorable moments is the Manchester derby, actually at the Etihad, where he got the two goals to get him back into it, into it and, and United eventually did come from two goals down. That day to come back and win 3-2, a Chris Smalling winner. And moving to the Manchester derby, it's the same fixture this weekend on Sunday. United coming off a very, 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 very dead, is that a reasonable word? performance at, at at Forest but they got through in the end um, Casemiro with the late goal um, City coming off an absolute thrashing five goals Haaland was it four assists De Bruyne four, four yeah. assists um, look very very different places right now both teams and 
I'm going to ask a similar question I asked about the Carabao Cup final and the way I opened it. And is it a competition? Is it a competitive? I've, I've given this game a bit of thought. And there genuinely isn't a scenario where I see United winning this game. They could, they might scrape a result. They might get a draw. But I really, I don't see United winning this game. I really don't. I don't, I just don't see it. I can't see it happening there. Like, since 2015, or maybe 2016, Manchester Derby has been Man City just stratospheres ahead of Man United and it's can Man United get a result out of this game on the day. Have they ever been level going into a derby of recent memory? That been level going into a derby in no since Pep. Since Pep took over in 2016. But, but they've won derbies, quite a few of them. I know, that's what I mean. But like you always thought they mightn't be level pegging, but you know they could hurt them. They can get them on the counter. United, you always think in a derby United have a chance. Hmm. I look at this game and I don't give them a prayer. I'd have said United have a chance if they had their starting team. I'd have said if, if it was Rashford, Hoyland, Garnacho, whatever, Bruno Menu, Casemiro, I suppose that is the midfield available and Martinez in the back line with Varane, Dallow and Shaw. Shaw is as essential to the, to the partnership up top because of Rashford more than anybody, any attacking player. I think with Shaw back... If Shaw was back, or if 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 Rasmus was back and Martinez, I think I'd give them a chance. But I think you know you're gonna. What are we going into this game? Will it be Lindelof on the on the left back? At left back, will it be? Amrabat? I can't. I can't see him changing the back four from yesterday. So will it be Amrabat? It'll be Amrabat. On the so left. like I mean, you're going into this game with Amrabat on the at left back. Lindelof Varane partnership. Okay, I mean. City are an amazing team. Haaland is an amazing striker and De Bruyne is an amazing chance creator. I don't see them keeping any less than two out. So, you know, you you immediately think at the Etihad with that defence, City will score two at least. So then in your head, for United to get three points, United will have to go there and score three against Man City, which in all honesty is, is far-fetched. So... I don't see a scenario either where Man United get three points out of the game. Um, which kind of leads me to believe it, it, it's pretty set in stone, unfortunately. I don't I don't see how how they do. More so than even any other... Because City, you know, I've went into games, I think I had even two weeks ago, I had Bournemouth. Fuck it, I had them pretty fancied. Last weekend? Yeah, I had them pretty fancied. And Bournemouth, we and Bournemouth like, I watched that game watched and Bournemouth game. could have got something in the last but, few minutes. But it's the point you made in the previous podcast this week of watching the football. We watched football together all last weekend. And with every team, whether it be Bournemouth we were watching, whether it be the Wolves game we were watching, whether any team we were like, they play better than United. So, you know, I would, I like, I, we are in a situation where if Bournemouth did rock up to the idea that I'd have more chance of them getting something right now the Man United obviously it plays into a part that City will be a small bit more up for it than the Bournemouth game which does play into it because with these players like you know any further motivation is just you know you think of the Michael Jordan curse when he got any form of motivation you know, his opposition was generally toast but he had off games and City will have off games but they probably won't come against United is the point I'm making which is why it's so 
gloomy going into this. All you have to do is look at Carragher's analysis of the setup. Mm. I don't, it's not a, when you compare United players out or United players up against City players, it's the way they play. And all you have to do is look at that gap between midfield and defence and you look at that flat four City play ahead of Rodri and Stones and you think of that gaping hole in the middle and you think that in that gaping hole is going to be De Bruyne, Bernardo, Foden, Doku, Feeden Haaland against that makeshift back four. And I just don't see a prayer. No, no. I don't see a chance. But it goes back to... And Ten Hag's not going to change that. Ten Hag is still going to play with that. He's going to want to go and he's going to want to press. The six United players midfield and front three will press. That gap will remain. And it'll just be left up to that back four and Onana to put up with what is the scariest attack in the league when it's that four and that one. Especially when it's that four and that one. That four midfield for City and that one up top. And that one up top is frightening. Going against that back four for United, which is not capable of keeping them out. And the goalkeeper is not capable of saving them for that long. So it's not a case of player profiles or players missing. I just think the way United play just is like hand in City three points. I think it just plays into City's hands entirely. I said this to you at the start of the season. This is before we did any podcast. We were about four or five games into the season. I, you know, because we played a certain way last season, and I and I felt especially, and it was centered around Casemiro, and I said he has been told different this season. He has been told to press, without a doubt, high. Last season he was not. Last season Manchester United pressed with a four. They pressed with the left winger Rashford, striker, right winger. And Bruno. That was the four press. Ericsson stayed in kind of the middle, hoping to get any second ball, and Casemiro just swept. Just swept. And it was it was fine. It worked. This season, watch it. Watch the Carragher analysis. It's about eight minutes if you haven't seen it. It was on Monday Night Football last last week and it's on YouTube now. It's 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 it, this is from it's from the first whistle at Fulham. And it just shows the six. The six players just launch up against the Fulham back line. And then what happens is because the back four can only push as far as the halfway line, because everything else is obviously on side, they're staying on the halfway line. Both fullbacks are actually pushing up to get any second ball played to the wingers. So you have this gap of eight players, huge gap. He drew it after about 10 seconds. Two centre halves and then Onana. And it is ludicrous it's ludicrous you wouldn't see it in an under 8's game if, if, if you saw it in an under 8's game it says that something's gone wrong here like they need to be, something needs to, they need to be stopped this is a joke like they're, you know I don't I don't have much faith Ten Hag got a bit of a pop at Carragher didn't he the press he, conference he seems, a, he seems a bit bitey so first of all uh, so some analysts are very objective uh, in their comments uh, very good advices some are very subjective. Huh? So Jamie Carragher is one of them. Uh, from the first moment on, he's criticised, and now he wants to make his point. Mm. He seems a bit bitey. Like he-, he was a bit bitey in the press conference today as well. He was accusing Fulham of being completely out of order oh, and yeah. need to apologise yeah, over, over a TikTok video about Bruno Fernandes. Yeah. Just seems, to me anyways, it getting- seems a bit like the pressure's getting to him a bit and he's sweating the small stuff. 
Do you think do you think he should? I think a manager should I think a manager's entitled to back his philosophy up at all times. But I do think that there are battles that can be won and there are battles that you will lose and when a pundit now I don't think a manager should be replying to pundits in the first place. I think it it just shows a, man, a manager can easily avoid that and say he his opinion is his opinion. All I have to focus on is my job. All I have to say is that, and it's all brushed aside. But Ten Hag said, came out and said that Carragher is subjective and has been subjective since he's come. I think it was a bit unnecessary. But look, a manager is going to bite back if someone is questioning his authority, questioning his principles. But when someone delivers such a scathing review of your team shipping shots because the, the main thing about it was that they're shipping chance after chance after chance and when the stats back up this is it, that you're evidence. shipping chance after chance after chance you don't really have much of a leg to stand on so I think he could have picked a better moment to bite back I think this one was a, lo- a lost battle already so he wasn't going to gain anything from it and I thought that, that wasn't even the worst of what he said First of all, Carragher presented great all the evidence in the world uh, as far as look at the diagram of the way they were set up. He had it on the on on the screen, plus the stats. Like I said last week, United have the most shots conceded in the league, except for Sheffield. And Ten Hag went on to say that this kind of performance was on the players only up until as well the thirtieth minute, and then it all it all went rosy. When the whole game they were awful, awful. Like, you know, to, to, it's very worrying when a manager says, "Oh, it was only like that for the first half hour, but after that it was great." And a game you lost two one a whole Trafford, and you were played off the park essentially by a team not in incredible form at the minute. I thought it was telling. I, 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 I like I, I, I'm not happy with him at the minute. I really, I'm really not, and I would, I, I, I'm very much pro keep the manager, keeping part of the process and and all that, but. At the minute, I'm not really that. I'm not. I don't love what I'm seeing from him on the pitch, off the pitch, both, and that's not a good. That's not a good recipe. Um, his star man as well. You know, Rashford has come out only in the last hour with an article, an interview, and an article piece. Um, did you read it? I watched the clip. I watched the four minute clip from it. Okay. I thought it was. I like when players come yeah. out and do open interviews like that, and it very much screamed to me. An interview from a human being, not a... A PR company. Not a PR company. It was an interview from a human being about struggles that human beings face. Mm. I can't have people questioning my commitment to, to Man United. It's... To, to me and to my family, it's ridiculous. I thought it's very refreshing. And the likes of Rashford is constantly picked on. He's constant Part of that is to do with his status. He's a superstar, we've said before, in terms of Premier League football. He's Man United's number 10. He's from Manchester, playing for Man United. He is always going to be one of, if not the most scrutinised player at the club. He's hot and cold at the best of times. But you would have to argue that in the last four years, where would United be without some of his goals? They'd be in a lot of trouble. They wouldn't have got a Carabao Cup last year without his goals. They wouldn't have got top four last year without his goals. So 
and I think the critic he had a bad November to January. He had a bad couple of months there. He was really poor. Yeah. But from August until November, yes, the stats weren't as high, but I didn't think his performances were too bad. No. He was Hoyland's only s- source of creativity. He was playing back on the left. It was when he started moving out to the right that the performances dropped. And we've known for some time now that Rashford doesn't like the right wing. So I think... I think some of the criticism he gets is unwarranted at times. I don't think he should be immune from it. Because... Like he came out today and he said that when people start to question his commitment to Man United is where he draws the line and that's when he speaks. I like that. I liked that. And I loved his sign-off. I don't know, did you read his sign-off? I did read his sign-off. But then again, I'm thinking, the words are great, but there are times I see your body language on the pitch and I think, what are you doing? And there are times I see what he puts into a game and I think, what are you doing? I don't want to criticism to criticize him too much because I love him as a footballer, mm. and as a Man United fan, he is an example of the dream. He is the dream. He is the young guy from Manchester that gets to, rises to the top, becomes United's number ten, yeah. and is the jewel of Old Trafford. Mm. But I still think, particularly when he is moved out of position, say if the last couple of games at centre forward. Mm still think he should do a bit more in terms of not flapping the arms about not moaning not groaning he was off scraps yeah you know yes and I agree with that I said that last episode that he's feeding off scraps like you see in yesterday yourself yeah but again he had two chances he should hit the target with this is what I mean yeah he should do there are times where I think you just should do a bit better yeah when he could have got the ball in scenarios and all he had to, all yeah. he had to do was just shift into the centre back a bit and buy himself a bit of time, buy a foul. But it was like he was going for it and he kind of knew himself, I'm not going to hold this ball up. And I just think, could just do a bit more, even to galvanise the people around him because I'm sure there's people in that squad that look to him and think, you are the main man. Yeah. People look to Bruno, people look to Casemiro, people look to Varane, and fair enough. But Rashford is Man United. And I think some of them players look at him and think, God, if Rashford is hanging the head, what chance do we have? Yeah, I know, yeah. That's where I would have a bit of frustration with him. Mm. But I do think a lot of the hate towards him, much like Pogba, is forced and unnecessary. I think he's a player that needs the backing. So when I see the fans not backing him, it just confuses but me a little it's, bit. No, it, it doesn't really confuse me. It's the curse of the expectation, right? When you put on a season performance like you did last year in terms of, you know, scoring all the goals and being truly, the output being amazing and the play itself being amazing, it's the curse of the standard, which is when you drop so far below it, you know, people aren't going to, people aren't, people aren't going to kill Ahmad when he comes on and plays like like Rashford has for the past because Rashford hasn't been too bad this past while so if Ahmad came out and 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 played like that put a, put him in his position people would say oh, he deserves more opportunity he's you know, he's done a few nice things okay he could have scored that he'll come but because we know and have the experience of what Rashford can do and it's so far below what he has done that's the whole point of the hate because 
it's not linear. You know, we don't expect the same off, off, give me another, off Anthony as we do off Rashford. You know, Anthony plays one or two nice one twos and we're praising him yesterday. Sure. It's the truth. Whereas if Rashford did that, we, you know, we wouldn't really bat a huge, eye, much of an eyelid to it. So it's not, it's, it's in relation to what we expect all the time. So Rashford actually, you know, when you look at it from a pure footballing point of view, has not been too bad of late, in my opinion. He's fed off scraps when he's had to fill in for Hoyland in the last while, which is testament that the job Hoyland's done, by the way, that since in, in 2024. So he's fed off scraps, in my opinion. Could he have done a bit better with one or two chances yesterday? He could. Keep his head down and get hit across it in the second one. But I didn't think he hung his head too much. I thought he, he linked play a small bit. I, and, I, and especially since 2024, he's been when he's been on the left with that front three, I thought he's played well. And he hasn't been given the credit because he doesn't have 10 goals since 2024. So I don't really, it, it's the standard, it's all, it's not linear. And that's why the likes of Pogba, because we've seen what he did at Juventus, we know what he can do on a ball. So when he drops below that, everyone goes at him. You know, again, no one went at Ander Herrera because no one expected Ander Herrera to be three people and, and, and assist 10 times a season. No one expected it. They expected him to run around. And absolutely he did that. So to all us fans, Ander Herrera met the expectation every time. That's why we all have a positive remembrance of Ander Herrera's time at Old Trafford. But really, he was quite mid, quite mediocre. Pogba was much better than Ander Herrera. But for Pogba's standard, he wasn't that Juventus standard. Pogba. So we look at that as in not as amazing of or wasted talent as we discussed earlier. So that's what I'd say about that. And that's just the way it is. It's not, we're not, it's not unique to Man United. It's, it's with every sport in the world, in any discipline, it's expectation versus reality. Someone who has definitely reached the standards of what is expected of him is Erling Haaland. And he's looking for a fifth here tonight. And he gets it. Luton Town to Manchester City 5 and Haaland has scored them all. Yes. Five goals and again. Like his expectation, it's so rare to see because his expectation coming into the league was so high and the question was, okay, can he do it in the best league in the world? I heard people calling him saying it's disrespectful to expect him to score 30 goals in the league, in the Premier League. It's yeah. disrespectful to Just think the Harry Canes, mm. to the Luis Suarez, to the Agueros, to the Roonies. And he came in and just proved everyone proved everyone he believed he would he believed he wouldn't he proved everyone and there's no one that could have thought he'd be this good he's a freak of nature isn't he and I and to watch him like I'll give you a, a very very brief story my dad doesn't really watch football he'll, he'll sit down he'll really watch the World Cup and he'll really really enjoy the World Cup and he'll go to local games and stuff like that and he'll love players like Messi and he'll love watching these types of players so he really Mbappe too and Rashford he actually loved at the World Cup too but I was saying this lad, like this lad Haaland, like he's, you know, he's coming in and he's, he's, he's scoring, he's breaking all these kinds of records, he's incredible, he's, you know. And he'd sit down and watch the odd game and he'd be like, you couldn't even find him. Yeah. Couldn't find <laughs> he's him. He's not involved in the he, game. It's such a unique, it's, he's such a unique player. He has no problem touching the ball five times a game. Yeah. Which is so strange. So strange. But he'll get, he could get three goals out of those five touches. 
because they're in such impactful positions and the runs are incredible. The, He's been caught offside. Did you see this? No. Let me get it correctly. He has been caught offside once since moving to the Premier League. It's not true, is it? Is that true? Give me one sec. Give me a sec. Erling Haaland has only been offside once. I'm wrong, not since he came to the league. In seven months of league football. Okay, fuck. That's still impressive, though. That is ridiculous. Seven months, and he's been caught offside once. And you know how many times he's running behind? Yeah. Like, That's his game. It's his game. It's, it's an incredible stat. I mean, it's an incredible stat. And that just shows the quality of his runs. With, and in, a, in an era with VAR. Yeah. So a toe is, you know, you're toast. You're offside. <laughs> it's incredible. I'll tell you what it's time for. Picks of the week time, is it? It's picks of the week time. And it's also comeback time. Yeah, you need it. I do need it. Need it. And I'm taking these three picks... Surprisingly, they're all away games. They're all away teams I'm picking, which is a risk in betting always. But I like the odds. These were the best value of the week, and it's actually a really good weekend of football. Really, it really is. Good. Um, that, that's Saturday at three. There's some nice games, some interesting matchups. Really, really interesting. So I'm gonna all mine are on Saturday, and I'm starting with the opening game, and I'm taking Chelsea away to Brentford. Brentford really poor lately. Not showing a whole lot. Okay, definitely worse away from home. I don't mind them at that ground, at their home stadium. Chelsea scored three goals midweek. Okay, they let in two against against Leeds and stuff like that. They're, they're good odds. And I, I back Chelsea. Poch is getting a lot of talk in, in his press conference. He's doing a lot of talk and he's kind of saying, look, he hated what Gary said about the billion pound bottle jobs. They're wounded. Mm-hmm. I think they can get three points. So I have Chelsea at Brentford. My second one, which is the best value by a million miles, is almost three to one, which is, I couldn't believe the odds. That's kind of nearly pushed me over the edge. My other two are more so, you know, I'm more, I'm more confident in, but I have West Ham beating Everton away from home. Yeah. Tough game, no doubt. Goodison Park, really good. There'll, West- be, a, there'll be a good vibe at Everton, seen as the points were There'll be a reduced. better vibe at Everton. There'll be a better vibe, a more comforted more comfortable vibe West Ham have just bounced back incredibly at the weekend and I backed them to keep them up to keep it up so I have West Ham beaten Everton there but it's 13 to 5 I mean it's ridiculous like the other two can tank and that can win and you win money at the weekend it's it's really really good all by Paddy Power of course please sponsor us I'm going to the 5.30 game on Saturday and I'm taking Villa to beat Luton away yeah 7 to 10 almost even money I like Villa there. I think Villa are really... They had a, a small stumbling and I questioned whether they could re, you know, get back. But Ollie Watkins is back scoring. Watkins has, playing has gone back scoring. So I, I love Villa right now. I think they really did get back. Emery did a great job there. Luton or no joke at Kenilworth Road. I back Villa to get all three points there. I'm going to fly through the games for you. <clears throat> Tell me firstly what you think of that Brentford-Chelsea pick. Yeah, I think Chelsea will have a point to prove. I think they'll be up for it. They scored three against Leeds during the week so they'll have their shooting boots on I think so I think Brentford's not a bad game for them I think they can definitely get a win out of that they're kind of wounded Brentford I feel both of them are in fairness Everton West Ham I agree with you there I think West Ham will keep up really I thought you'd disagree there no I don't Everton haven't shown a lot to me in the last last couple of weeks they're on a bit of a bit of a slump 
So, yeah, I think West Ham, Bowen is firing, Paquetta's back for them. Off a hat-trick. So, I think West Ham will have enough firepower to break them down. Full and Brighton at Graven Cottage? That has, been, that has a draw written all over. Yeah, doesn't it? I couldn't. I think Brighton are very wounded. They're, Matoma's injured. Matoma's gone, yeah. Matoma's injured. Fulham are good. I like At Old Trafford. Yeah, I loved their centre forward. I loved their centre forward. Mooney's, I really liked them. So, I think... I think that'll be a draw. I think Fulham will nick that, you know. I have Newcastle at St. James's Park to Wolves. I have that a draw. Uh, Huang is out for Wolves. Is he? Mm. Was that from an injury picked up in the warm-up the last day? But he kept I think playing. so, and yeah. kept playing, yeah. I've seen that. He rolled over. Yeah. And he kept going, and he, and he started and played almost the whole game. So I was, yeah. That That's game's fair. a tough one. Mm. That's one of them matchups that Wolves are in such a good form as well. Yeah. And Newcastle aren't really it's like it took them penalties to beat Blackburn during the week. Yeah, I know. I think Wolves could nick something there. I think Wolves will win. Nottingham Forest. Back at the Forest under pressure, need to get some results soon. Liverpool come to town. Liverpool have had a big week. Yeah. And, and they're very that, wounded. That'll be a different atmosphere for them youngsters to face because yeah. The city ground is a good... It's no walk. No, no. The city ground's always up for a game. I think that could, that'll that be tough for Liverpool, but I think they're just fly, riding I on a wave at the minute. I think they'll get through it, yeah. They're riding on a wave at the I minute. Think, I think it'll be tight. I think Liverpool will nick it. Three points. Yeah, I'm the same. Spurs at home to Palace. Spurs need a win as well. They need to get back to winning ways. Mm, they do. Palace with Glasner played really well. Interesting game. It is interesting, definitely. I do think Spurs will have enough though. I think Spurs will too. I think Palace without Elise and Ezio, like we constantly say, even with the new manager, they just they don't just have not, they the, don't have the, they don't have the, the same quality. the same quality in attack. No, no, they don't. Definitely have. not. Luton Villa. Do you agree? Yeah, I think Villa win that. Let's start the Super Sunday. Burnley at home to Bournemouth. Good game. Looking yeah. forward to that one. I still think I I just will always say Turf Moor is the easiest place to go to. So Bournemouth. You have win. Bournemouth there. I'm finished with Burnley. <laughs> Bournemouth win. This will be the one game they fucking win now. Honest to God, I'm going to go nuts if they win that game. Man City at home against Manchester United, the Manchester Derby. I think it'll be a goal fest, heavily weighed in one direction. Yeah. I think City will win that pretty convincingly. I think City will win pretty convincingly as well. And we finish off on a Monday night football. The worst football team in the league come up against arguably the best, where it's Sheffield United at home to Arsenal. I have Arsenal winning that. Could be another few goals very, in that one. Very, comfortably. Arsenal are too good. I, and I, I'm not even asking. I assume you agree. I agree. Folks, that's, that's the weekend, isn't it? Enjoy your weekend. Watch the football. We'll be back with you with all our thoughts on Tuesday morning. Thanks so much again.